Amen. When you have it, please say amen. 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 The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, starting at verse 1, you will find these words. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor or pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Our verse of emphasis for today's lesson, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And for a few moments, I want to talk with you from the thought, the Beatitudes, part 7. The Beatitudes, part 7. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The Beatitudes. The introduction to a larger body of work called the Sermon on the Mount. The first sermon of Jesus Christ textbook style. No better sermon could ever be preached than the Sermon on the Mount that could be preached by no one better than the Son of God. The Sermon of the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount consists of chapters 5, 6, and 7. And we must never forget when reading the Gospel according to Matthew that his intent was to portray to the readers that Jesus is king. He's not king of this world, but his kingdom is not of this world. When Pilate spoke to him and said, are you indeed a king? He said, I am But my kingdom is not of this world. If it were of this world, my servants would not allow me to be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this realm. Jesus as king. But not the kingdom of this world, but the kingdom of God. And so the Sermon on the Mount Chapters 5, 6, and 7 is the king's manifesto. It is his aim, 
his requirements, his objectives. It is his manifesto. And so the opening introduction to his manifesto gives us a glimpse in what Jesus came to bring. The Beatitudes allow us to see that Jesus came to bring happiness. But he didn't come to bring happiness the way the world sees the pursuit of happiness. But he brings it according to the principles and laws of his kingdom called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is 180 degrees opposite of the kingdom of this world. If you think you're going to supply and you're going to operate according to the kingdom of God, according to the principles of this world, you are all the way wrong. The principles of the kingdom of God are so alien to the principles of the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world says you got to find happiness with things on the outside. You got to find happiness with the things that you can possess, the clothes that you can buy, the cars that you can drive, and the houses that you live in. But Jesus says there is another way. And even the spiritual elite of his time missed it. Because remember in the spiritual context of the Sermon on the Mount, we have at least four groups. We have the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. Remember that the Pharisees wanted to bring about the kingdom by tradition. The Essenes by separation. The Sadducees by modern thoughts and the zealots by political activism or military might. But Jesus comes in and peers through all of that and shows them that the kingdom is like none of them. He tells them that if you want to be happy, you're going to have to come to me spiritually bankrupt. You can't come to me telling me how well you know the word, Pharisee. You can't come to me telling me how you have memorized the 613 laws because that is not what enters the kingdom of heaven. You can't come to me, Essenes, and say how you have separated yourself from the rest of humanity to your own little groups and say that that is the qualifications for entering the kingdom of God. You must be poor in spirit. You must acknowledge that you're spiritually bankrupt. But also, in order to be happy, you got to mourn over your sins. Because God promises that he will comfort you. It is a modern day, it is a current, but also a future promise from the Lord. Because remember, he is the king, but not the king of this world. His kingdom is not of this world. And Jesus says, don't look here or look there for the kingdom, because the kingdom is inside of you. 
The kingdom is first manifest inside every born again believer when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ puts in you a gift above all gifts in the Holy Spirit that regenerates, that makes your dead spirit alive in Christ. The kingdom starts on the inside. And until you have given your life wholly over to the Lord, until you have given yourself over to him in true and complete dependence, you have not entered the kingdom of God. But right now, the kingdom of God is inside of us working toward the outside. But one of these days, the culmination of the kingdom will be complete when the manifestation of all the sons of God are made and glorified and then the environment in which they are on is also transformed. The Bible says in Revelation, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down from glory. He saw something because that in that day when the sons of God have been fully manifest that the whole creation is going to be glorified. The culmination of the kingdom of God. But along the way he's saying to us that we also in order to really be happy we're going to have to be meek. We're going to have to stop trying to get everything our own way. Own way, all the time I've got my rights. But he is saying to us, Blessed are the me that will be righted sometimes for the wrong. In other words, sometimes when you know you're in the right, that you will give it over to the one who's in wrong so that you both can be in unity. Blessed are the me having all the power of God but yet keeping it under control. Not blessing your brother or sister in a negative way. Not using spiritual words in order to curse your brother, but to keep him. Not being mad and separating, but finding a way to come closer together. Even when you disagree, blessed are the meek. But he goes on to say that blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you really want to be happy, you're not going to be thirsting and hungering after righteousness plus a big house, after righteousness plus a fancy car, but righteousness and righteousness alone. See, God doesn't want us to be desiring the things of this world. He has told us that they are not true riches. He says that thieves break in and steal, that moths do corrupt, and rust does destroy. He's trying to keep us on a straight and narrow path of righteousness and reality that we have a home that's not made with hands. That our true home, that there is where the true witches are, where thieves won't come break in and steal. That moths do not corrupt. And that rust does not destroy. He's saying, hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the only way that we can hunger and thirst after righteousness is to hunger and thirst after Christ. And to hunger and thirst after Christ, we have to hunger and thirst after his will. And after his way, not our own rights, 
in our own way, but his way. Jesus had all the rights. He had the right to destroy this whole earth. But he put down his own rights and his own so that we would have a right. And a right to the tree of life. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't go his way. He didn't didn't go and come and say, I got my rights and destroy us all. But instead, he sacrificed himself on the old rugged cross. He became a curse for us. So after all that Jesus has done for us, can we not put down a few of our own rights so that we can be unified in Christ? Sometimes in order to reach others, we're going to have to say I'm sorry even though we went wrong. But it's okay because that is an end, that is a means to an end. And the perfect end is salvation in Jesus Christ. So our text goes on to say, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Verse 7 is the first verse that goes from inner thinking to outward action. James said it right when he said, faith without works is dead. He said, show me faith without works and I'll show you faith with works. Because if you say you believe and trust in God, then your actions better show it. And God is a God of mercy. That everyone here who was born again has received the act of mercy of God. We didn't deserve it, but God gave it to us graciously. Not of our own merit, but because of his own good pleasure. So therefore, because we have received mercy, we ought to be quick, fast, in a hurry, ready to show mercy. Because that person who's lying on you and talking about you and scandalizing your name needs mercy. Because all that is, is the symptoms of a bigger problem and that is not a heart toward God. But you and I were also like them at one point in time. We did not have a heart towards God. But because of his grace and mercy, he stepped down and he looked into our wretched hearts and he changed them. And he rearranged us. Not any way and any reason that we merited it, but because it was his grace and his grace alone. So therefore, we ought to have mercy on others because we have received mercy. But we also find that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Unless the Lord comes in on the inside and cleans us up and gives us a pure heart, we cannot see him. David said it right in Psalm 51 when he said, Create in me a clean heart that I might not sin against thee. He said, Purge me with hyssop. He said, I got some stuff down in the deep crevices of my heart that I am unable to get out, but Lord, I know that you got the power and the tools to get down there and get it out. This is not a me thing. This is a God thing. You can't clean yourself up. So many people try to get themselves together before they come to God, but you can't get yourself together. 
It's impossible. If it was so, he would not have had to send his son, Jesus Christ. But we ask the Lord to come on the inside and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We ask him to create in us a clean heart because we want to see God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be blind and not able to see my Lord. I'm betting everything I've got on him. I do what I do because I'm looking for him. I want to see him now and I want to see him in all his glory someday. But I got to have a pure heart. And I can't do it myself. We have to call on God to come on the inside and cleanse us up. Turn us around and place our feet on solid ground. But then we come to our text of emphasis for the day. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. In our lives, we have to ask the question, Who are the peacemakers? Down through the years, there have been many who have received the Nobel Peace Prize. It is a prize given to those who have done exemplary work in the building of peace between nations. Some of the names are names like President Jimmy Carter. Henry Kissinger, Yasser Arafat, and our beloved president, President Barack Obama. Nobel Prize winners. But are these the peacemakers that God is talking about? Well, I don't know about you, but over these years that President Obama has been in office, I've been watching his hair. When he first got into office, his hair was black. But anyone in here can now attest that he's graying awfully fast. And if President Obama would be truthful with us, even as a Nobel Prize winner, he would have to say he has seen very little if no peace. Whether it was dysfunction and disarray on our shores or whether dysfunction and disarray off our shores, he hasn't had any peace. Whether he wanted to do a good thing for the country or whether he didn't, there were always factions And there's always factions against whatever he does. And even there are things that are out of his control in other lands that he has to deal with, which shows there is no peace. War in the Sudan. War in the Russian land. War here and war there. Terrorist attacks. No peace. So with all of the Nobel Prize winners, And all of their work toward global peace 
so far it has not come to fruition. Even during the Cold War, even during that time after World War II, when everybody was supposed to be kind of putting things down, there were still wars. We had the Korean War. We had the Vietnam War. Yet there were still wars going on, wars and shooting in the Middle East. And even now, Iran's trying to get nuclear armament. There's no peace in this land. There's no peace in this world. Because men are evil. Men are sinful and sin will not allow peace to exist. So are these the peacemakers that God is talking about? I contend to you unequivocally, no. It is not the Nobel Peace Prize winners. It's not those who are dealing with national peace. But there's a different peacemaker. And even when men put down their weapons, because some say we'll have peace if we can get all the guns out of the streets. We can get all the guns out of the homes. And we can just get all the guns because guns kill. I contend to you, guns don't kill in a vacuum. Guns are used by men who use them for the purpose of killing. So after you get all the guns out, you still are left with a serious problem. And that serious problem is still sin. So what is the peacemaker? Is the peacemaker the one who says, you know what? I see what that other person is doing, but I'm not going to bother them, even though it's wrong, because we just all need to get along. I mean, if I, if I let them do what they do and I mind my own business, we'll have peace. I contend that's not going to bring about peace, because somehow, in some way, the evil that somebody else is doing seems to creep into our own back doors. Whether or not we try to engage in it or not. But the peacemaker that God is talking about is one that doesn't have, is not absent of conflict. Because Jesus himself said, and I believe the 10th chapter of Matthew, he said, you thought I came to bring peace. But he said, I bring I came to bring sword. What was Jesus talking about? Jesus was saying that I came not for everybody to get along, but I came to split wife from husband, mother from daughter, father from son. I came so that these Relationships that are building the world is not what join us together. But the relationship that joins us together is the relationship with me, Jesus said. It is a spiritual relationship. And that those who are not in the kingdom will be split away from those who are. 
I didn't come to bring worldly peace, is what he said. But I came to bring a sword of separation from the world. I didn't come to bring my kingdom into this world. But I came to bring those in this world out into my kingdom. Because he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would have not allowed me to be delivered to the Jews. So what kind of peacemaker is this? The peacemaker is the one that is not trying to bring out and make the absence of conflict. But inserting and bringing about conflict because you're inserting righteousness into an unrighteous world. I heard a wise preacher say, you got to get them mad at you before they listen to you. Sometimes we need to be cut on a little bit by God's word before we're ready to receive it. In my own life, in my earlier Christian days, there used to be a Christian program that I listened to on a nightly basis. I was really green into the faith and I was coming out of the smoky dark world of higher sin. So I'm listening to this and every night the preacher was making me mad. I didn't want to hear what he had to say because it was against that which I wanted to do. But God just kept bringing me back. Every night to hear him again, getting mad, going away, but coming back again. And I found myself as time went by beginning to repent of my sins, of my haughtiness, because the word of God brought about a sword. It brought about a sword that needed to cut out of me some stuff that did not belong. The Bible says I am predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I wasn't looking much like Jesus then. And I don't believe I'm looking nearly about as much as I need to be now. But I know that he's molding me and shaping me. He's cutting away the sin that's not of him. But it's not always a pleasant thing. I got to have some conflict. You got to be able as a peacemaker to tell your brother or sister when they're doing wrong. But you got to love them enough to pray for them and to tell them. Because love is not allowing them to continue in their sin. But it's love is confronting them in their sin. How will you bring about a solution if you don't know it's a problem? Those are the peacemakers. So now we ask the question, what kind of peace is this that he's talking about? He's not talking about peace first between men but he's talking about peace first with God see the problem is to be a lover of the world is to be an enemy with God so the peacemaker comes into this world with a message of righteousness that comes against as an offense to an unrighteous world telling them that Jesus saved that you are sinner need to be saved by grace Not that you have anything in you that's worthy of God, but that God has to put in you that which you don't have in yourself. The gospel message that Jesus Christ had to come, that he had to bleed and then he had to die for you and for me. Why? Because we didn't have any other way to God except Jesus gave his life. That's the message of the peacemaker. It is the gospel. 
Peacemakers teach the gospel. Peacemakers preach the gospel. Because men, women, boys, and girls need to hear the gospel in order to be saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Well, how would they hear if they have not a preacher? And how will he preach if he has not been sent? Blessed are the feet of those who bring the gospel of what? Peace. There are the peacemakers. They're not Nobel Prize laureates. They're not global peace corps, but they are the children of God who have become audacious enough to come into an unrighteous world and preach and teach righteousness, to go against the grain, to say, culture, you're wrong, but I come with the message of the kingdom and the king's agenda. My king is the king of kings and the lord of lords. All other kings must bow, and here is his manifesto. Here is his word. Happy are the peacemakers, but they shall be called the sons of God. They shall be the ambassadors of Christ. So that's what we are. We are peacemakers when we preach the gospel. We are peacemakers when we interfere in the world's unrighteousness. We are peacemakers when we do the will of the Father. Amen. Amen. And I want you to know myself needed peace in my own life walking around lying and mistreating folk walking around trying to figure out how I was going to make my next death run but one day in the back of a building by a cardboard bay Jesus, the son of the living God, made peace in my heart. On that day, after trying to do everything my own way, after cursing folk out, after calling people Jesus fanatics, he got my attention. It was as if he said, against the pricks and I say Lord how can I get to know you in the pardoning of my sins he sent one of them Jesus fanatics by to pray with me the prayer of salvation to pray to the Lord that I'm a sinner a wretch undone and Lord would you come on the inside and clean me up and on that day he cleaned my heart he made in me a right spirit toward him he picked me up he turned me around and he placed my feet on solid ground and ever since then I've been trying to run for the Lord 
praise his name. Woo, he's worthy. He's so worthy. And now, we're going to open the doors of the church. There may be somebody here who haven't given their life to Jesus. Have not fully entered in. Have not said, Lord, I am a sinner. And I need you as my Savior. You know, I'm good at what I do. And men and women praise what I'm doing. But I know on the inside I'm empty. There's something missing. With all my accolades, I need something. And I know it's you. Lord, would you come in me and create in me a clean heart that I might not sin against thee. Right now is the day of salvation. You don't want to wait another hour, another minute, another second. Because you don't know if tomorrow's promise. But right now you can come to the Lord just as you are. It won't cost you nothing because Jesus paid it all. You can't find it in your friends. You can't find it in your parents. You can't find it in your family. But this is a walk that you're going to have to walk alone. You're going to have to come to Jesus by yourself. And allow him to work in you what you cannot work in yourself. Allow him to come in and to clean you up and to set your mind right on him. Because he's the only one that can do it. You can come to Jesus just now. There is room at the cross for you. There is room at the cross.
God is still calling. Harden not your heart. Come to the Lord while it is today. Because the night cometh when no man can work. Amen. Praise the Lord. When of all hearts and minds are clear, let us stand for our benediction.
So Lord, we're giving our offerings into your hand. Lord, do what you want to do with it. Use us as willing vessels, Lord, and lead us and guide us. And we want to be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus. We ask these things in the immaculate, emancipated name of Jesus. And the whole church saying, Amen. Please be seated and obey the ushers. Amen.